Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, we've been having a conversation here about food, shelter, work, and clothing. So where we left off our last conversation was talking about the poor, and that's the direction this cast was going to go. And overall, we've done a really good job of sticking with the majority of people, knowing that there's always going to be an exception here or there outside of the normal realms, but sticking with the category that most of us fall into, which is the majority. Now, what drove us to do this entire cast in the first place was stemming from our conversation on the virtues. So where I wanted to take this conversation before we start talking about the poor is where Jesus directly talks about the poor in the Beatitudes. So where I felt a logical starting point before we discuss the poor, because I think that that by itself means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, why don't we start with where it is in the Gospels with the Beatitudes so we have some good bedrock for this conversation? Um, great. I, it's it's a pretty classic portrayal or, or presentation of Catholic spiritual theology, I suppose, to look at the virtues and the Beatitudes, and the other would be the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that when you kind of cover those three bases, you've really covered the principal ways that God kind of interacts and with the human soul and develops um, develops uh, our our spiritual our our souls, I guess, move, moves us toward holiness. So, I love that we're moving from the virtues to the beatitudes. Maybe we'll end up with the gifts of the Holy Spirit here before we're uh, all before we're done. But um, yeah, and it's, it's wonderful even to weave in the church's social teaching in the midst of that. Sometimes we focus so much on the virtues and the Beatitudes, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it becomes so a little bit self-centered and sometimes a little disconnected from the rest of the world and the rest of reality. And to weave in Catholic social teaching and uh, you know, the concrete details of, of businessmen, what you people like you have to deal with, Joe, uh, in actually handling real money and real people and real employment and real houses and real shelter for real people. Um, it's, it's great that we're able to, you know, we've been able to kind of weave that in to, to the midst of it. So uh, just to give a little overview, fit some things together, I wanted to mention those things. But to look at the Beatitudes, there are two accounts of the Beatitudes, first of all. Uh, Matthew's account is probably the more well-known in Matthew chapter 5. It's the beginning of, his, of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we have eight Beatitudes that are presented there. In Luke's account, it's part of his Sermon on the Plain. And there are four blessings, four Beatitudes. And then there are also four woes that he records Jesus having said. And first of all, there's no reason to believe that these aren't two completely different sermons, by the way. Uh, sometimes when we look at two different gospel accounts, we say, oh, well, you know, one of them remembered it one way and one remembered it another way. Well, they could just be two different sermons, too. I mean, many of us who preach sometimes preach similar things on different occasions, and they are similar, uh, but they're certainly different, too, and it's worth considering 
both sets of those. Well, absolutely, yeah. As you think about it from normal mass, um, maybe not so much with like Easter and Christmas, but I, I can distinctly remember, that I believe it's two or three weeks after Easter, it's the Feast of the Trinity, essentially. And it's, uh, you, you, you probably know the official, official feast day of it and when it is, but I distinctly remember um, the priest almost every year ending it with the same way and, <laughs> and just, just year after year, like, okay, <laughs> it's the same four minute ender. And that makes sense. You know, you see it today with modern politicians as well, where you have, they're doing their tours. They're trying to get people to vote. And it's essentially the people who are voting for them kind of all agree upon the same thing because they want them to be their representative. So they all have their same bullet points, but they'll come out in different ways. I think that's to be expected. I think that's a reflection of how he was fully human. You're not going to remember exactly everything the way you said it. And also you're going to tailor it to your audience. So who's that's to right. say that the people on the mountain weren't more receptive to, you know, a couple of the points versus um, a couple of the other points. So rather than doing all of the Beatitudes here, as we will, um, I wanted to, to s- kind of stick with the food, clo- the food, clothing, shelter, and work element and focus on where he's talking about the poor. And then the next segment uh, or next series rather will be, be the Beatitudes. So, so why don't we kind of zone in to right there and talk about, to the faith, what is Jesus' teaching on the poor? Well, and when we look at that, again, the two different sets of Beatitudes make a difference. And there are other places that Jesus teaches about the poor and also uh, makes some pretty strong statements. So I don't want to make it sound like the Beatitudes are the, uh, the, the sum total of all of that. But in uh, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel, Jesus simply says, Blessed are the poor for the kingdom of God is theirs. In Matthew's gospel, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In both gospels, again, uh, if we can make this a little bit of an extension of that, you know, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger, in Luke's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, in the Sermon on on the Mount, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice for they shall be satisfied. And we see there's a little bit of a contrast between the presentation in Matthew's gospel and the presentation in Luke's gospel. Again, you know, two different sermons, two different audiences, however we want to understand that. Certainly in Luke's gospel, there's a special emphasis on the poor throughout the whole gospel. It's obviously something that was significant as St. Luke was gathering up all the passages, as he said he would do to give a full account of the gospel, and he was drawn by and, and moved to share especially those elements on the poor, and, and that, that occurs the poor and the suffering, the hungry, the, you know, the, certainly those, sometimes when we, we use the, the Hebrew word anawim, which would be literally the little ones, 
And there's a special focus on the little ones in all the gospel accounts, most definitely. Jesus seems to spend more time, well, undoubtedly spends more time throughout the gospels with the little ones, with those who are needy, with those who are poor, with those who are uh, disadvantaged, with those who suffer injustice, with those who are marginalized, with those who are uh, with the sinners also, you know. So there's there's no doubt. I mean, Jesus came to save sinners. And now poor and sin are not the same things. It's not to say every poor person is sinful, but just to focus on those who are disadvantaged. So, uh, and that's where the woes come in also in Luke's gospel. Jesus says, woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are satisfied now. Woe to you who laugh now. And there's a certain kind of self-satisfaction that's problematic when we feel like eat, drink, and be merry. You know, I have everything I need and uh, I'm just going to be indulged in myself and I'm I'm self-satisfied, self-sufficient. There's a problem there. So I'm coming back around to, uh, I'm not going to talk about all the Beatitudes, as you said, but just to say, you know, especially when we look at the Beatitudes in, in the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Mount, what we really see, especially in the first Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the those who hunger and thirst for justice. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Or in the Sermon on the on the Plain, blessed are the poor, the hungry, those who weep. There's there's something that's un, unfinished. You know, they're longing for more. They're missing something, and they're longing for more. And part of what Jesus is saying is, more is coming. And so those who are poor, hungry, mourning, the meek, they have something to look forward to. They have hope. And to live without hope, to, to imagine that we have everything already that we're ever going to have, or we have everything already that we, that we need, and we're in no need of anyone or anything, there's no hope there. There's no growth there. There's, uh, it's a, that's a very sad thing to have reached the ceiling and it's done. And Jesus is saying that when we're missing something, when we know we're missing something, we're in better shape than when we think we have everything. And that's the way that the poor are blessed. And that's what Jesus says, blessed are the poor for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Uh, the poor realize they don't have everything in the material goods of this world. And in fact, what they really have everything in is the kingdom of heaven, in their relationship with Jesus, in their faith, and in the hope for a kingdom to come and simply more than meets the eye. They have more now in love than they could ever have in material goods. And sometimes we don't realize how important love is, our relationships are, God is, heaven is. We don't realize how important it is until the other things are taken away. When we don't have three hots and a cot, as they say, when we're missing something, when we feel the the hunger pangs, then sometimes it raises our eyes to heaven better than when we're just sort of fat and happy.
And so that's the blessing that comes with, uh, with poverty. So that makes a lot of sense there. So I think that in actually in the contrast of the two gospels, it hits upon something that's important when we talk about poor. And the first is, is that in the word itself, it's a relative term. So, and it's relative to an end. So to say that, what you're trying to accomplish might be economically, um, as it seems like the gospel, the speech on the plains is more directed towards economics or towards your spiritual relationship with God the Father, which is primarily what Jesus was talking about there on the mountain. So when he's saying those who are poor in spirit, meaning that you don't really have a relationship with God, um, the kingdom of God will be yours because now you will you'll feel it the way that you should and. And that makes sense. Um, it makes sense a lot of ways when, when, when you differentiate it. Because here on earth, there's a lot of different motives that can guide your life. One of the things that we've been talking about primarily in this series has been the economic side. But there's also, that's a byproduct of work. And as we started with the conversation of work is, it's preparing yourself to be a essentially a good citizen in heaven and make yourself worthy just that there won't be toil in heaven. And economics is part of the way that you purchase food and clothing and shelter for your family. It's how you pay for your mortgage or your rent. So poor can be relative to a lot of things. You know, if you look at it from an economic standpoint, the poorest person in America would be absolutely wealthy in sub-Saharan Africa. It's just the way that it is. So keep in mind the the, the relativism there. Now, so I, I don't want to to step away from your point, um, but I wanted to to kind of interject that thought here as as we're continuing in with the conversation. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And and so I would say uh, even even the richest person is missing something. And even the richest person has room to grow. And no matter what we have, uh, there's more to learn. There's more to receive. And, and the poor, and I would say the poor in spirit, especially is the one who hasn't stopped seeking because he knows that there's more to find. As I was preaching on these passages, you referenced, uh, I think maybe you just said this to me, you know, the fact that these gospels have come up recently. When I was preaching on the Sermon on the Plain, uh, I, I reflected on how we we are blessed uh, to, to think of it in terms of human relationships. When we encounter another person, do we realize that we are poor in the sense that that person has something to reveal about God to us that we didn't know before. Uh, every person is a revelation of God. Every person reveals the mystery of God in a unique and unrepeatable way. And there's a way that I can't know God until I know you, Joe, or until I know any one of our listeners. And if I come to every relationship, if I come before every human person with a sense of poverty that 
this person has something to reveal to me that I don't already know, then I can be enriched by them. If I come to them with a sense of satisfaction, woe to you who are rich in the sense that I feel like I have everything I need. I, I feel like I know everything there is to know. Woe to me because I'm going to miss something really fundamental in another person. So I'm just saying that in terms of personal relationships, but we can apply that in a lot of different settings. There's, you know, when we're, when we're so rich that we've given up trying, given up growing, given up striving, given up seeking, woe to us that have given up. Woe to us who have no more hope that things could ever be better. Woe to us. But there's a sense of, of poverty that the Lord is teaching us, which is a good thing. So we don't want to make people poor. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to, to further human poverty. We're not trying to say, you know, you'd be better off if, off if you were homeless. Uh, that's not what the Lord is saying. But there's, a, there's an aspect of human poverty, which is a recognition that I don't have everything I need in this life. I don't have everything I need in the moment that I'm in right now. There's more to receive, more to grow. And, and and to continue the conversation, or not to totally sidetrack it, is that the way that you just taught that there from the Bibles is that it didn't really actually have anything to do with dollars and cents. It has to do with the way that I just understood your teaching was that it's a desire to grow more and closer with your relations around you, um, which ultimately leads you to find closer relations with God and desire to keep pushing yourselves and the one who is, as you said, was more in poverty is the one who's more willing to go out and learn and create better relations. But the one who has stopped trying has become satisfied with wherever they're at, with whatever station is the one that the Bible is saying, woe to you, woe to you who has hit the hit cruise control and just, coasting you know woe to you who's just mellowing out and that really doesn't have anything to do with economics that has to do with the mindset of growing yourself you know as you'd mentioned there's no cap on everything you know it's just because you're really good in one facet you know you might be the world's best painter doesn't mean that you're going to be good at repairing a truck or good at dealing with spreadsheets. Now, part of this goes back to a fact that you said earlier in the series where everyone has natural limitations and gifts. Um, it's the way that we're made and it's very beneficial overall. Um, so as we look at this, when we're talking about poor from the teachings of Christ, it's not necessarily saying woe to you who has a giant thriving company, it's woe to you who stopped trying to learn and become closer to Christ and better relationships. And when you listen to it from that perspective, the eye of the camel conversation, which is another, you know, rich, poor analogy that he gives in the Bible, really kind of focuses in there. Because I think so often in especially in American culture, we think of rich and poor the way that all the politicians only talk about it, which is how much money is in your checking account? How much do you need? And that is part of the issue that, that we're going to discuss 
in the next conversation, which is going to be the distribution side of, of income and, and material and wealth um, as we talk about that further. So we're a little bit crunched on time here, Father, and I want to give you a chance to, to bring it home and give us the last words here today. Thanks, Joe. And thanks for your observations about those things and bringing us into the, the Beatitudes. Yeah, it would be a real crime to think that Jesus is saying, uh, blessed are the poor, and therefore we don't need to do anything to help them. And, uh, but rather, we can apply that to ourselves in a lot of different ways and continuing to hunger and seek for greater things. Our, our humanity is always a work in progress and is always growing toward its ultimate fulfillment, which is in God. And we're not fully in him as long as we're still in this life. And so we're working towards that end. And that's, that's where I really see the, uh, the Beatitudes, especially those first Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's Gospel, and then all of those Beatitudes in, in Luke's Gospel. It's uh, learning to delight in the fact that I'm not a finished product, but that I'm still a work in progress, and God has more plans for, for my life. You know, when you say it like that, it goes right back to the, the virtue we'll be done humility, that you always need to grow to get better. And uh, you can certainly see it intertwined there. So, again, thank you, everyone, for listening. One of the things that we have greatly found is that new users or new listeners have gone back through the archive. It is always available. So if you hear an episode that we've referenced, such as that one about humility that I just did, please feel free to click it and go back to listen to any of the old ones. Um, it, it's, it's one of the other ways we grow. The more total listens, the higher we come up on all the searches. So thank you guys for telling a friend and growing the cast, and we'll be with you again here next week. Thank you.